Aloha and welcome to Friday Night Kunani Patrol. I am your host, Mikuni Moon Sayak. In this episode, I interview Monique Ong. Monique is a traumatic brain injury survivor. In this episode, she shares her story. She explains exactly what happened, how she felt, how she recovered, and shares wisdom to people suffering from any mental health issues. A very powerful story of triumph that might make you cry, but will definitely inspire you. Without further ado, let's get started. Friday night, Kunane Patrol. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol, the podcast with the goal of creating a community of optimal human beings. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak, and today's optimal human being is Monique Ong. Monique, thank you for coming on. Please introduce yourself for the listeners. Hey everyone, hi. Um, so call me Mon, nobody, nobody knows that, that I know calls me Monique, so just call me Mon. Um, I've been working with Kuni for a while, actually, because he was my kickboxing coach. <laughs> so that's how I met him. Um, and I really enjoyed our work because he never sticks on the one hour. You know, he's always extending, kills me for like two hours, a lot of more warm-ups, crazy more cool-downs, and killing my 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 body all the time. Uh, so I really enjoyed working with Puni about it. Um, and on the side, the professional side, I am also working with a company called My Nation that started last year. Um, it's a company that's providing mental health care support for employees, uh, also with students. We also do some students as well. Um, and that helps. It gives me purpose and meaning for what I'm doing every day now. You're working with a mental health care agency now? Last time I heard from you, you were working for Facebook. A long time ago. I left um, August last year with Facebook. Since then, I've already, since January last year, I've already been working with a company called Mind Nation. So if you go on the website, themindnation.com, gives you an idea already on what we provide. Um, and, and very, very exciting because especially, unfortunately with the pandemic, it's not the best moment right now mentally. Um, so this is, it, it makes people understand that mental health is really true. It's not a fake um, making up problem. Uh, so people just to understand it now. And the companies also see that there is a responsibility for them to provide that service as well for their for their employees. So that's um, it's actually a good moment. We started before the pandemic and it's better now that people are talking to us about it and more open about it. Wow. Well, let's enlighten the listeners a little bit as to why you're such a strong advocate for mental health. Maybe give them a little background of your story. <laughs> okay, I will. I'll try not to cry. No, I'm just joking. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a hard story actually to to tell to, to say that because um, it it wasn't uh, a long time ago when it happened. It was in 2017. So right now it's it's almost what four years ago. Um, four years ago, I started working at Facebook 
um, in Manila. And I was moving around a lot. So in my first four weeks, I was flying to Menlo Park in the U.S. for the for headquarters to do a one-week training. And I went to Singapore four times um, just for business meetings and trainings and stuff. And um, on my fourth week, um, I was in Singapore. And um, I... I arrived on Sunday, Monday, packed meetings, and I just went down to have dinner with my friend um, just below just below the office. It's like two minutes walking to my hotel. There's I don't even need to cross the street. It was it was just so 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 close to where I was. Um, I was wearing um, basically like like right now, I'm just wearing t-shirts, uh, jeans, uh, sneakers. I was not wearing high heels or anything, um, but that night, after we finished our dinner, uh, we ordered a second margarita. Um, and uh, whatever she was saying, sorry, I told her, don't finish because I'm just going to go to the restroom and you can finish when I come back. And I didn't come back. Um, the waitress saw me on the floor. Uh, I was bleeding from my right ear. Um, and I was just lying on the floor in the middle. And unfortunately, we don't know where I hit my head from, uh, if I hit the, the head in the toilet bowl or, or, or a sink or, or the door, or why would I fell? Because I wasn't drunk. I was, it, it, the floor was not wet. I was not drunk. Um, so I don't know what happened, but I hit my head so hard that I was in coma already. Um, and I was in coma for 21 days. And then I know there's more to it. I know there's more to it. So let's talk about the process of like, like how long did it take you to wake up from the coma? So um, I hit my head so hard that I hit it on the right uh, temporal and frontal lobe. And it was so hard that basically my brain um, went up and down. And so I always thought that what hit my brain was so hard was the right side because that's where I hit my head from. But actually the worst part that affected my brain in the future, like forever, uh, damage would be because of the left side. And the whole time that I was in coma for, for 21 days, I had to go through three different surgeries. Um, they had to remove the... First, the right side with the palm of my hand, the, the skull, uh, and they, they had to do it on the left side as well after after four days because my my brains my brain was starting to get out of this the the empty space at the right side, so they had to open the left side so that it would stay in the middle, um, and also that because it, there was a lot of bleeding on both sides. Um, and they put, they, I was in coma by myself, but they also put me under medical drugs um, to stay in coma as well, because uh, to basically to put my brain in a peaceful, quiet, not hearing anything, not moving anything, uh, no specific um, confusions or 
noise that that would be uh, painful for my brain. So I basically had to recover to heal. Um, when they removed the drugs, um, they didn't know when I would come back. They said that it could be tomorrow, it could be six months. Uh, so then you have to wait. And it took me a few days to come back. Um, and it's not even like waking up from coma when you always see it in, in, in movies or TV shows where, where it looks like beautiful lighting and choreographing how you wake up when, you know, it looks like beautiful moments where you wake up and you ask questions so where am I or, or um, what's going on, you know. For me, my first word was just fuck. Um, not very poetic um, or dramatic even, but I had, um, it was very, very tough to wake up, um, where especially when you have uh, tubes, uh, tubes below my throat, uh, tube on my nose as well. I had tubes also out my brain uh, and uh, waking up from coma, you don't, the muscles were not working for me. So I could not sit up, uh, stand up, walk. Um, I didn't even remember how to use the toilet anymore. So that was a little difficult to wake up <laughs> saying fuck. It's fuck waking up with all of that shit around me. That was a tough moment. Were you, you, couldn't, were you able to speak and communicate when you woke up? like with other people or was it still difficult to like understand and, and communicate? Uh, I could actually. Um, the doctors were telling my family and my husband that um, when she wakes up, you have to be prepared that she is a, a person you don't know. She will not be the same person you met before. Uh, are the same person you know before the accident. She is a different person. And we don't know the extent of how bad she would be. And at the time, my family didn't even know if I could recognize them even. So the, the, the doctors were, were not even telling them, like, maybe they might not recognize you. And we, so that was very difficult, um, especially for them. But the best thing is that when I woke up, I knew them. Uh, I knew them, but sometimes I put the wrong words. Uh, I would say the wrong sister's name for the other sister, uh, for example. And because of the tubes were down my throat, I mean, for a year, I my voice was... So my voice now will never be the same. Uh, which is which is not a big thing because it's not like I'm a, an opera singer uh, or I have great voice or something like this. But I, I'm Filipino and I love karaoke singing. Um, and the things that I could sing before, I know when I can't reach notes anymore. So that's that's the case right now. Um, but at that time, for a year, my voice was scratched so much from the tubes that I it was, I was hoarse and I had throaty throaty voice for a year. Um, but other than that, I mean, yes, I was a very difficult moment. Um, I could recognize people. 
but I was also more aggressive uh, and very well. I was very much on fighting moments. So um, a nurse would come in. I would throw a pillow to them to kick them out. Um, I would fight with my husband all the time, um, curse them all the time. They, I thought that I was, I was in Singapore, but I thought I was in Hong Kong. Uh, and I thought that I would be in a taxi and they can drive me to home, home to Manila. Um, so my brain was totally in a different place. Um, the, the, the attitudes were totally not me at all. Uh, and my brain was just working like maybe 40% of the time. I would never understand everything that everybody's telling me. What I'm trying to say, people don't understand what I'm saying as well. It was very, very tough, especially the... I was in the hospital for the first two and a half months. That was a, that was a tough moment um, the whole time, yeah. So 21 days in a coma, you get out of that, you wake up, fuck, you can't really communicate that well. You're confusing people's names. You spent another two and a half months in the hospital. What was the recovery process? What, what did they have you doing? Physical therapy, mental training? What did they really focus on? Well, a lot of different things. I was very lucky that um, what happened to me, it's called severe traumatic brain injury. Severe because I was in coma. And when you have traumatic brain injury, um, it's a very expensive recovery. Most, especially in the US, most people would pay a lifetime around maybe $600,000 just to get all of their, all of the recovery help and therapists, whatever is needed. I was very lucky that I work in a company where, especially because of a business meeting, why I traveled to, um, they, they managed everything. Um, it was very, very freaking expensive. And the time when I started to to wake up, um, it was not, it's not going directly into, okay, now you have to talk to this therapist or that therapist. But there was a point when I got better, I had to have multiple kinds of therapists. Um, I had a physical therapist because I could not walk, sit up, stand up, all of these things. So I had somebody to actually work with me again to manage these. Um, I also needed an occupational therapist um, things because I I could not talk properly, for example, um, and help me to understand to explain what I'm trying to say. A speech therapist as well because I will always have. Um, it's called aphasia. It's a communication disorder different types of aphasia but that happens very often for 70 percent of people who have strokes for example most people would would have the same aphasia for me i have the aphasia in terms of hard to understand what somebody's telling me and the part is when if i'm tired or if i'm angry uh, i would put the wrong words uh, at the same time so so 
uh, an example because I'm talking to you, Kuni, is that you remember when we were working out and you were killing me, you were killing my body, and I wanted to tell you that my abs are dead because you were asking me to do like sit-ups and stuff, and I think what came out was my eggs are dead. <laughs> so sometimes that that happens. Um, sometimes I catch it, but I'm saying something wrong. Um, but at the time was was even worse than that because I would, I I couldn't give. Um, they couldn't. They, they would give me three words. Um, they asked me to put it in the right sentence flow. Um, like, I love you. Can you put it in a sentence? And I get really mad. I would be like, Do you think I'm stupid? Like, of course I can do that. It it means like love you. Why? Um, so there's things which are very tough for me because the toughest, like I also had hyper independence. <laughs> so even after my accident, I really felt that I'm ready to go back to work. I can do it. And I know everything that I'm doing, whatever I'm saying, I know everything. I'm ready to go. So I was, um, sending multiple messages to my sister is like give me i don't have my credit card where's my credit card give me my credit card so i can get a taxi and then go home you know and start to go to work you know so brain was very different so i was doing a little research and they said that there's four parts of the symptoms for traumatic brain injury and they said it's physical well not four physical emotional thinking and remembering and sleep so i was wondering what like you couldn't walk uh your head got slammed like, how was your body feeling upon waking up and then upon trying to go, trying to go throughout this recovery process? Well, especially from the body. I mean, it's, it's very tough. I mean, like, even if I was sitting up, my brain would just fall because my, my, I didn't have the muscles even in my neck to stay me up. Um, and um, it was very difficult where... I remember wearing I, I, I remember wearing diapers, but the other thing is, by the way, you have to understand on the memory side. I also have post-traumatic amnesia, so I do I don't remember a hundred percent everything, which is which is kind of good because it kind of helps your brain to recover, not to remember all of the bad shit, uh, everything that you went through. But there is definitely a part where I remember where. You know, you had to ask somebody to to wipe your ass. You know, and it's the, those are the things where I can't remember everything, but these are the small things that I remember, that, which is like, yeah, the, like what the hell I went through. I mean, like what the hell was that? Yeah, that was not Wow. So after all of this physical therapy and all this pain and all this trauma, what, what really got you through it? Like, did you, do you have like a history of being an athlete and always pushing through things or did you just have like a really strong support system that was there for you? Um, you know me, I'm always the first person to try to find an excuse not to work out. <laughs> so it's on a, on a physical side, I'm really, I'm really, really bad um, to, to force myself. I don't, I never had any interest to work out, even before when I'm healthy, you know. Um, but the difference is that when 
when you get to a point on the worst moments of your on your life, I think it it kind of forces you even when you didn't think you would have it, it kind of forces you to to push yourself to do to to find something deep inside that it's it's what Cedric my husband would would say is that I'm freaking stubborn I am very very stubborn and I think this is when the doctors would just tell me that's it that's what you're gonna get your brain is below average you cannot go back to work that's that's where you could have that's it plus now you're right eye blind um you know you have to kind of accept what you have and i think it's maybe because i hit my brain and that's why i can't accept it but i was mad and stubborn on on what they were telling me and you kind of force yourself to prove that you can get better than that and that's where i yeah kind of forced it like i would put a lesson plan for my therapists <laughs> so what i need to work on i would give the, they would tell me like you do three times per week i would say no i'm going to go five times per week because i have nothing else to do every day so i'm just going there and i said like after you do the session i want homework after uh so i i was get i was actually telling them exactly what i want very clear and it's also really really good in terms of our culture and their asian culture is where you have your family and your friends and, and they all support you and and there is this part where they try to protect you as well especially your family you know a lot of them would say you know we love you whatever you are you're okay we love you whether your brain doesn't improve you're okay but my husband is french and so my husband's like what the fuck you are going to fuck it fix yourself and get better than anything else so you have my family who is saying i love you whatever and then my husband's like you i'm going to push you you're going you're going to push yourself like crazy you're going to put you right now you have a physical therapist you're also going to talk to a um boxing coach who's going to come and help you and my my family was like Oh my god, she can't do boxing because she might hit your head and 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 Cedric is like, "No, we're going to do it." And which helped me a lot because they couldn't what I was working with you. You have to say, "Okay, you have to do jab, uppercut and move down and weigh it." So you have to remember each time and forces my brain to memorize it each time. But it's very slow by the way. It's not like, "Oh my god, it's too fast." I'm just like slow 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 but it it forces you in different ways to get better so you have your family who's telling you it's okay to be where you're at but then you have your husband and also yourself it seems like like on hyper recovery mode on hyper discipline to get back on track and it seemed like uh, your husband was a really big factor in your recovery process huh absolutely absolutely i mean i cannot imagine being where i am without my husband he's he's the only one who you know my 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 youngest sister was also with with me in 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 singapore you know because my 
my youngest sister Wyatt. Um, she's she's an amazing, amazing, amazing sister because my accident was in June and in April, so two months before, she just moved to the U.S. to get married, and she just get married two months ago and. When she heard about my accident, she told her husband, I'm flying to Singapore and I don't know when I'm going to come back. I'm going to stay with her as long as she needs. And she stayed with me for five months because I stayed in Singapore for five months. And I, I love my sister. I mean, she's amazing. But my sister is, um, her personality is very different than, than Cedric because she's very much on what is the doctor saying? she takes a notebook and she writes all of the instructions and she follows all of the doctors each time. And Cedric is totally on the other side. Cedric is like the doctor saying, why? Why? Why is the case? You know, like, why she says she has to be quiet space? Why are you putting her in a room with eight people? Why she can't have a single room just for herself? And like my sister Wyatt would just be like, no, but this is what's available. So we just, we'll just be quiet. We're just going to be doing that. And Cedric's like, no, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to move to a different hospital. I'm going to do this. So it's like, it's very different between these two and, and how they, they move it. It's very funny. I think it's just the different in culture. Like you were saying, you know, the Filipino mindset is very, okay, sure. Yes, well, well let's, let's follow instructions. But Europeans, man, they're when they want something and they they're gonna argue about something, they're gonna make things happen. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's definitely definitely um, cultural side. Um, I'm closer to the same as my husband as well, um, because I, I I would never accept it. I would be the first person fighting. If it's the other way around, I would have done the same. Um, I mean, even when I went under depression because of something well because of what happened to me and 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 doctors wouldn't know how to fix it when the doctors are saying yeah it kind of sucks what you have and whatever you have right now you should celebrate because it's nobody would have accepted that you're going to be who you are now which is awesome um but at the same time when i'm struggling with the brain affects um, the damages forever, especially going back to work. Um, they don't have any answers. They don't have anything to help you about it. And there was these points where I struggled a lot and I, um, I could not, very, very hard to, to move forward on it. And I went into depression and my, my husband, would not accept it. So he would he would let me have like maybe two weeks uh, where I would cry and cry a lot in the on the bed and whatever. And and then after two weeks he would say, look, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. What's our next step? What are we gonna do? You know? So that's that's actually awesome because he will do so many different things. He'll bribe you, tempt you, cajole you, seduce you. He would try different ways, you know? Um, and, and that's really actually good. So remember, Goody, you know Cedric. So that's, uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So how long was it before you went back to work, like when you got out of the hospital? 14 months. 14, 14 months. months. 
Whoa. Yes. And this is this consistent. And you were still doing physical therapy, occupational, and speech therapy. So for 14 months, uh, the longest time was speech therapy because speech therapy I had to do it. Uh, even when I went back to work, I was still continuing to do speech therapy. Um, the physical. Th so the difference is that the physical side of it, it took me, it took me like maybe a month maybe to get better. Everything you kind of adjust in terms of your of your muscles, building it up, uh, get eating a lot more things about it to get your muscles back. Uh, the emotions maybe took me months to get better. The the brain, the brain, the rest of the brain on, in terms of your communication and how you go back to work, um, it will be forever damages about that. Um, yeah. 14 months before going back to work and mostly doing speech therapy the whole time. And right now, like, what do you do now to make sure to keep your brain sharp? Like, what are some things that you make sure you do? Do you do like some mental games on your phone or just keep working out? What do you do now to make sure your brain stays? So at the time, really at the 14 months. Um, so I had multiple options. Like I would give myself training programs for myself and, and uh, the, curriculum moments that I would discuss with my therapists. Uh, I was really involved in my own education. And um, I think there is these parts on, um, I had to write a lot of uh, journals um, because, so when I could not talk properly, it's the same on how I write. Um, I remember I wrote an email for one of my clients and, and I asked Cedric, can you come and read it to make sure before I send it? And Cedric read it and said, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, don't even send it. <laughs> uh, it was really, really bad. Uh, so these are the things where I had to really keep continuing even working with, with uh, speech therapists. Uh, and at the time I was doing a lot of um, games, Elevate, app, for example, on, on, on iPhone, I was using a lot. Um, I had so many different games, but they're all games, brain games uh, that I was using a lot. And what helps a lot is that um, we got married. So my accident was on June 19, 2017, and our wedding was June 30, 2018. So it's almost a year, uh, past the year. And um, our wedding was in, in South of France and a, a little big part of it as well is um, having to prepare your own wedding and planning on what's available. And I was very, I, my brain was not working. So even if you have a wedding video and if you watch it, if I watch it, it makes me cry all the time. But when, when I watch it, I also know that it's Cedric talking. It's Cedric talking about me. And they don't, and I didn't know that they were interviewing him, by the way, right before the wedding about that. I, did, I had no idea. I, I actually found out when I was watching the video. Um, but they didn't, they didn't even ask me because what I was trying to say, you wouldn't really understand what I'm saying. So even a year after, it doesn't sound like me now, like much better what I'm saying. But at the time, like, what's up? 
was not great. But it helped a lot as well to, you know, trying to, because I wanted to have a wedding in France, but I wanted half the people are Filipinos. I wanted to feel like it's a Philippine. So my dress were from the Philippines. The photographers, the videographers were from the Philippines. I wanted really things that are from the Philippines, not just all French style, you know. Mm. So those are the things I had to bring it in. And that helped a lot because you have to think about how you bring it, your how to go through the priest and things like that. So that's that's actually helped a lot. And and then I started uh, working. Um, I still have the speech therapist for a bit, but I stopped as well because I couldn't keep continuing uh, when I went down, when I went full time. And working again, actually in Facebook, helped a lot because my role is very senior and very high level, and my brains don't work. Um, it doesn't remember everything that people are telling me. And what I learned for a month, I totally have forgotten. So everything going back to work, you had to accept everything again. And um, very, very tough when your brains don't do the same as before. Do you still journal now to help with um, like writing things out and keep your brain sharp and just with help with your thoughts? No, um, what helped was actually when I was working with you. Mm. Uh, really, that helped a lot. Um, kickboxing, because I really enjoyed it. Because I, I really hate doing anything physically. I, I don't like running. I don't like swimming. I mean, kickboxing was really great for me because you killed me that I'm too tired to, to complain after that. Um, a little disclaimer, actually, just a little disclaimer for everybody listening. I don't really kill her, you know. It's like it's it's necessary pain to for adaptation. You know, <laughs> don't listen to her. I'm not really just murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was always really good. Um, I think it was what I enjoyed the workout that you're doing together. Is um, of course on the physical side, but what I enjoyed is the mental side because you always puts me on, I mean, we do a lot in terms of kickboxing. And every time you have to, the routines, maybe you started maybe like simple ones, like uh, jab, uppercut, jab, jab, and then and swing, and then, and then you, you hit your, you kick uh, this way. But then you made it like more complex, like from like eight steps to 16 steps, you know, to, to, to 20 steps. And, and it, it forces, your brain to like uh, try to remember all of these. Um, so that that's actually a really, really good program actually. I, I miss it. I miss that. So the physical side was keeping you in shape, but also the mental side of learning new techniques, starting off small and then developing that mental progression, which helps to build more connections and strengthen the brain at the same time. Is that how they explained, the doctors explained? Because they were, the doctors were the ones who suggested boxing to begin with, right? No, they didn't. They're all afraid of whatever I'm doing. Um, so yeah, like doctors, a lot of them won't actually tell you what to do. Um, and a lot of it is you kind of put it in your hands. Uh, and a lot of the other things that helped me is, um, that I, I would, I'm going to put past tense. I spoke four and a half languages. Um, but 
a lot of my accident, a lot of my languages went back. So before I could speak French, for example, I could watch a movie without subtitles. Everything is perfect. Okay. Now, now it's gone. I've lost that. Um, but even just speaking with my family in, in Chinese, um, that helped as well because I, I speak to you in English. I speak with, with the doctors in English. I work in English. But if I, if the good thing is I was living in Manila and I have to see my family, I have to speak in Chinese, which is good. And, and then whenever we travel back to Europe to see Cedric's family, you have to speak it again in French. So speaking multiple languages actually helps your brain. It's called the plasticity. It means that it's expanding. It's always getting better because the doctors would tell me like the first six months after you woke up, your brain is really, really good because in the first six months, you are improving 10% every month, which is really great. But when you get to, after your six months, they were telling me that you're never going to see any progress anymore because every month it will just be instead of 10% to 0.0001%. And if you really believe what the doctor is saying, you would just give up. You would just give up. But that, that, I never felt that. I never felt that. So even after four years, I am still growing still growing more than just 0.001%. Every time, every time, every time I see my friends back in Europe, for example, or when I go back to Manila, people have talked to me that every time they'll say, every time it's a big step change again of how I'm talking. So all of the things, either because of the different languages that I'm using, the other part is even when I was living in Manila, I mean, we were playing Mahjong in my family and playing Mahjong again, I don't even remember anymore the rules. I don't even remember. But again, you have to force again to relearn it. And, and that that always helps. So there are these things where you're not sure about, you kind of force your brain. It's like a, it's, I would see it as a, a special muscle as well that you have to work out on it. It's not just sitting on watching Netflix. It will atrophy um, it's always better to just keep trying and different things um, my job learning trying new things learning new languages trying new sports up in those sports, all those things help you to keep growing and keep evolving and keep a good attitude that's really awesome and i think it's really powerful that you got a doctor's diagnosis they said hey you're not going to be able to improve really. So just be happy with what you got. But you said, no, I'm not going to like a, di a doctor's diagnosis is not the end of the road. Cause some people, once they hear that they're, they're defeated and the mental stress kicks in and it just makes everything worse. But you have that mindset that was like, no, I don't care if it's a doctor. I don't care if it's freaking Jesus Christ himself. If I'm say I'm going to get better, I'm going to get better. And that's just extremely, yeah. I love it. Um, hold on. Next question. One second. <laughs> so what is your wisdom um, and message to people who might be suffering with traumatic brain injury or to families who have somebody who's suffering from traumatic brain injury? I think whenever, not just specific to traumatic brain injury, um, I'm just saying to everyone else, um, 
because I see now on traumatic brain injury from what I have, but I also I also know and I understand now as well about mental health challenges because of the current company that I'm working with. And every time I would say that we have to be careful on the words that we use when we're talking to each other and how we're going to listen from other people who are saying to us as well. These words are so powerful and they have so tremendous impact on whatever you're believing for yourself. When a doctor is telling you below average brain and that that's it, that's what you have. If I accepted it, nothing will ever improve. And it's the same thing for, for anybody who's facing, whether it's traumatic brain injury, that you have aphasia or you have communication disorders or you won't understand anything, whatever people are saying. That's it. That's about it, what you have. Uh, or if you have depression and that's you're going to have it and that's it, you know. You have to see what you're going to believe in yourself and what you think about yourself and what you're going to believe what somebody else is telling you. Whatever else, it's it's so important. I mean, I really for me, it's the important part for me is that there are so many days when the doctors didn't know how to help me anymore. And I didn't know how to improve myself. My husband doesn't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how to move forward. And you just have to fight. You have to fight. You just have to keep trying. Keep trying. Even when days, I, I have those days where I just, it's what my husband would say even for himself. It's, you know, when you hit the rock bottom, and when you don't know where else to go because you're at the rock bottom, that's the lowest ever. And you could stay there. You could get comfortable there because if I had told people I have traumatic brain injury, nobody knows how to get better. I could stay there and people would just be okay. They would be okay because your excuse, traumatic brain injury, I understand. Everybody would understand. And I could stay there and be comfortable and, and be stuck there forever. Um, and the only thing is that you just, it's never going to be the same place that you're going to stay forever. Even though you don't know how, keep fighting and something will get better. It will happen. That's beautiful. And that's extremely great wisdom because if people were to realize the impact of words and just believing in somebody, that belief of just your husband being there, even though there's all these professional doctors who are gone to school or whatever, are telling you over and over again that it's not going to get better, but just the belief of yourself and that self-talk and then your husband's love and support and that, that talk in your head continuously day after day just kept adding up to all of the strength that you needed to get to where you are today and i hope that everybody who's listening can um really take these take this to heart and like you said be careful with your words because they have the power to build people up and absolutely have the power to tear people down so it's always up to us to choose 
it's always up to us to choose which which way we're going to go. So I love that you're a fighter and I love that we were able to connect and, and do all of this and, and all of the uh, work that we did before. And now that you're sharing this message, this is extremely powerful stuff. So thank you so much. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left. Do you, how do you feel uh, with yourself now compared to how you were before? Like, do you think you are still the same person? Like, you still have those same traits from before, or do you feel like you're a completely different person now? It was very different to see these things. I mean, every time, it's not a question that people would ask. Uh, for example, Kuni. Who are you? What are the things about you that you are you? <laughs> it's not something that people would think about. Um, but if you had asked me a long time ago, before the accident, if somebody had asked me, what is you? What is great about you? And I would have said things like, I'm, a, I'm an energizer bunny. I am 24-7. I'm always, I have so much energy all the time. Whatever you need, I'm up, I'm awake, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I also say, like, if I go on a vacation, I need to pack, like, books, insanely books. I'm going, to, I'm going to read all the time. I'm going to stay awake the whole night. I'm just going to read as much as I can. I don't have the voice at all. I would sing even the worst tones and everything, but I, 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 I would sing. Um, these are the things where I would say that... And I would love to teach. I would love to teach. Like if if even whatever role that I'm working uh, in any company, I love to do training. Whatever, pass pass whatever I've learned. I've always loved this. I would say these would be me. But then after I had the accident, um, there were a lot of these small things that were getting away. They were not me anymore where I would go to work for eight year, eight hours. And when I come home, my brain is shut down. It's, I, I, it's the first thing ever that ever happened to me. I would come home and I would just sit on a, on a couch and I would not even talk to Cedric anymore. I could not move. I, I would, I would just say one word, like, can you, uh, or one sentence, like, can you please a blanket on me? Cause it's cold. And Sandra would say, it's, the blanket is right beside you. I said, I can't move. I can't move. I'm shut down. The, like, my 24-7 is gone. Um, my I don't have the focus anymore to read more than 15 minutes. Uh, my brain shuts down again. Uh, I Before you, I hear the song first time, and I can sing back with all of the lyrics and everything, now... All of my favorite songs, never can I can never remember the lyrics anymore. I could never any I, I won't even remember any prayer anymore that I remember. Everything that I learned even when I was a kid, I will never I, our father and I don't know the, the next. Even though I just read it in front of me, remove it and try to repeat it. I can't. The brain can't absorb it. It doesn't I don't know why. It's very, very, very annoying. And these are the things where a lot of my best friends are, are French. And I can't talk to them anymore because I don't speak French. And these are the things where if you look at what I was before, 
and who I was, what I told you about these points who are me. But then after my accident, none of them work anymore. Does that mean that I'm less of me? Could it be not me anymore? That's a very, very, very tough question when that was happening. It's not just my own personal identity, but even how it works, even my own husband, because he has to live with me every day. And I'm not the same person. He, there were a lot of moments where he was even not sure if he would stay with me when I was going crazy with my emotions and not the same person. These are all of these things that, that, that kind of have to think about what identity means and who you are. And at the end of all of these is, I think it's a very tough question and a very tough answer that I'm giving. It's just, I think at the end is, identity is, is a river that keeps flowing. It's never a specific identity that stays forever you have and it will always be the same. We both have changed a lot and I've also seen that what I've changed myself because of my brain has changed so much, but it's also changed my husband as well. He is not the same person as well, even after. Those are different things from before and where we are. It doesn't mean that we are less, but we're just different. And it's not the worst moment. It's hard to cope and to adapt with new things that I'm used to. Um, but it's also not impossible to do it as well. And it learns a little different things. Things are, I told you, um, I never knew that I had this strength. If you had asked me before, um, would, I, would I be strong enough? Would I get better? I would say, no, that would not be me. And, but now I know I could do it. I, I know that I'm freaking strong. I'm crazy stubborn. I, I would be resilient. I would rise up more than whatever I faced a long time ago. And still now, those are two new things that I've learned about myself as well. I think this accident was definitely a catalyst for you to release this warrior spirit spirit in you that you probably didn't know that you had and that helped you to grow and become like and not just a stronger person but even more emotionally mature and aware of other people who are going through these things as well and, and the power of making sure that you're telling people the right things and because you know from experience how how powerful the right or the wrong words can be so um, thank you again for sharing everything that you said. Uh, one last question before we go. So this whole podcast is about optimal human performance. And I think you are a very optimal human being, especially everything that you were able to triumph over. Uh, what, in your opinion, is optimal human performance? Optimal human performance. You could have asked me even earlier so I would prepare it before that. <laughs> That's a... That's a very tough, tough question, man. I mean, optimal human performance, is it physically side? Is it physical side? Is it 
Up to you. How do you want to answer it? Because some people think it's like a combination of both physical and the mental, and some people think it's just physical. Some people think it's more mental. So this is depends on the individual. Hmm. Well, optimal means that it is the peak level of what you want to have, and I think this is a the only that. Answer for that specific question, it would be answered by each person for themselves on what they're facing. Where I've faced on my side, um, I think there will be. There's always different problem, and then you always try to solve that problem. And at the time for me was, I had a traumatic brain injury, and the doctor said below average brain, you cannot go back to work. I wanted to, my optimal human performance was say, I'm going to prove those freaking doctors that I could get better and get and 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 and, and do more than what they told me it would be the case, and that's why I was looking at problem and I would solve that. Now that happened and that's great and I would want to say, box, I did it. Now, what is the next step each time? So it cannot just be. A problem to solve each time and to, sh to, to show what you can do and I think where I am now is I, 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 I accept already of what I'm facing uh, in terms of my brain damages why it's different than before that what it means now for my optimal human performance is that to live my life with meaning that I would do something that I would be proud to die and say I did well. And that meaning is depending on each person for for what you what you what it means for you. Um, and my meaning is that I would let people know about my story because it it can help other people get better in it. And on the other side is to to provide, um, to do something that, that will impact their lives, not just selling ads on Facebook, but actually if people having their issues and mental health challenges, they get help. They get, they have access to resources that can help. And that's the meaning for me now. Well, I hope that the people who are listening to this, we, we are able to touch their minds and touch their hearts and allow them to know that whatever it is they're going through, whether it's a traumatic brain injury, depression, anxiety, uh, lost a job, you know, anything, whatever it is you're going through, you can push through it. As long as you tell yourself the right things and you surround yourself with the right people, you guys can push through this. And as far as optimal human performance, like Monique said, it depends on you. You have to find out what the meaning is for your life and pursue that so that if and when you die, you have something that you're proud of that you can leave behind like a legacy. And Monique, I think you're killing it because you working with this company now on mental health and turning this extremely freak accident that was so negative at first into such a positive experience in order to help enlighten and empower others. I'm so glad that we crossed paths and I'm extremely excited for this episode to air. So, 
So Monique, um, thank you for yeah, for sure. And thank I you remember, for the chance as well to share with your listeners. Thank you. Yeah, I remember listening to the story when we were uh, when we were training, and we kind of got way in, like way off topic, and we went like thirty minutes into it over our <laughs> lesson because we were talking about it. But uh, I got way more details this time, so this was this was a little better. But um, maybe you can uh, let the listeners know like your social medias um, that they can follow you on or some websites that you can promote for your company. Sure. Uh, so if you're curious, uh, my sister is doing a comic strip on Instagram. It's called at monbraincomic. So M-O-N brain comic. Uh, she sent it like once a week uh, just to share about her background on what happened to me on my side. That's interesting. Um, and again, uh, my nation is uh, if you need any help as well, because uh, we do ad hoc sessions for anybody who wants to talk to a psychologist or a well-being coach. Can you spell the name of your company, please? My nation. So M-I-N-D-N-A-T-I-O-N. Ah, Mind Nation, gotcha. Okay. Yes. So the website, it's themindnation.com. And um, they're all available on, on Facebook page, uh, Instagram page. Uh, if you have listeners from Gulf, we also have Mind Nation Arabia. So that's also available on Instagram and Facebook, all in Arabic as well. So either way, we're happy to help. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, please reach out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Reach Mon at either the Mon Brain Comic on IG or go to the mindnation.com on FB or in IG or even mindnation.com Arabia. You guys, if you guys got any questions about mental health or you just want to chat, go ahead and reach out. Monique, thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, any last shout outs before we close this? It's it. Thanks again, Kuni. And thanks everyone for listening. I really appreciate your time. All right, cool. This is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. Mahalo for listening to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. Feel free to follow my journey at Kunani Patrol on Instagram and Mikuni Munsayak on Facebook. Lastly, if you were motivated, inspired, or learned something new from this podcast, please support this show by clicking the Patreon link in the podcast description. Even just $1 a month would help support this show of creating content to help you all live your best lives. This is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha. Friday night, Kunane Patrol.